Hey, this is Mr. Anderson, Anderson, and you are listening to Two Out of Three Falls. Yeah, 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 what up? You know, it's uh, Peter Rosenberg, Hot 97, ESPN, WWE Network, Cheap Peak Podcast. Um, let's see what else. I got mad jobs out here, but right now, talking all things wrestling with my man Randy Cruz, the Cruise Control Podcast. Sit back and stay mage. You're listening to Cruise Control with Randy Cruz. This is the voice of the New World Order. N-W-O. And Neil Furman's secrets of WCW Nitro. Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. Um, we are still on the road to WrestleMania 35. Um, we had Fastlane this past weekend. But before we do that, you can find this podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast and download a rate comment. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find two out of three falls t-shirts on pro wrestling tees.com slash cruise control. Again, pro wrestling tees.com slash cruise control. And Graham, one of your favorite shows of the year. Fast lane happened uh, this past Sunday, and let me go through the <laughs> let me go through the entire card and kind of get your thoughts on you know your overall thoughts of, of the show. So we had um, the new day defeat Nakamura and Rusev. I think that was on the pre-show, which and, and we did the the preview last week, and we thought the Andrade Mysterio is going to be on the, the pre-show, but they kind of changed a whole bunch of shit up on this show. Um, the Usos defeated The Miz and Shane McMahon. We'll talk about that later on. Asuka defeated Mandy Rose to keep her SmackDown women's title. The Bar in a, a, a impromptu match. The Bar defeated Kofi Kingston in a handicap match. The Revival kept their Raw tag titles, defeating defeating Aleister Black and Ricochet and Rude and Gable. Samoa Joe... Um, kept his U.S. title, defeating Andrade, Mysterio, and R-Truth. Sasha and Bailey defeated Nia Jackson to mean to keep their Raw, uh, their women's tag titles. Daniel Bryan is still champion, defeating Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali, which is that became an impromptu triple threat match for the WWE title. Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair by DQ. We'll get to that in a second. And the Shield defeated Corbin Lashley. Lashley and Drew McIntyre in a six-man tag match, and that was Fastlane. So, 10 matches overall. Um, a couple new things happened going on on that show. What kind of stood out to you from Fastlane? Well, jokingly, you said, Randy, that it was one of my favorite shows of the year. While I still maintain that Fastlane is incredibly pointless and there's mm-hmm. no need for it on the WWE pay-per-view schedule, overall, I thought it was a very good show, um, all things considered. A lot like Elimination Chamber, by no means like a must-see show, but I felt the good outweighed the bad, and there were enough entertaining matches to make the three or four hours of the pay-per-view worthwhile. Um, but I enjoyed the pay-per-view overall, like I said. 
The main event I thought was quality. I liked the Fatal 4-Way. Um, I thought it did a good job of setting up WrestleMania 35 and what matches are going to be expected to take place on that show. Um, there was another match, too. I think the women's matches, to me, really did not deliver. Those were the only matches I really had an issue with this, from this event. Mandy Rose and Asuka I thought was forgettable. Um, the tag team title match with um, you know Sasha Banks, Bailey, Nia Jackson, Tamina was decent at best. I liked the angle they ran afterwards with Beth Phoenix coming to the aid of Banks and Bailey reuniting with Natalia. I like right. that. Um, but the match really wasn't anything special. And then Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch was not anywhere near what it could have been based on the quality of matches they had late last year. That was just one giant angle, which is fine, but uh, there's more to rant on about that, but I'm, I have not been a fan of how they've treated this Raw Women's Championship feud going into WrestleMania compared to where it was two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was what it was. But like I said, I thought there were enough good matches to make the show um, a thumbs-up event overall between the Triple Threat WWE Championship match, which I thought was excellent, and in my opinion, the best bout on the show. The main event, which was really well done with the Shield getting back together for one quote-unquote last ride. Um, the Fatal 4-Way match, the Shane McMahon heel turn, which, yes, Randy, you did call last week here on the show because I know you're going to mention it. Told you. Um, I'm very glad they went in that direction, but I was also very happy with the result of the match and the match itself. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed the event. Um, so, yeah, I thought Fastlane set up set up a lot of things that led into Raw, SmackDown, and eventually WrestleMania 35. Um, let's start with The Miz and Shane McMahon, which I was the first match on the card uh, for the SmackDown titles. Um you know, we were on a show last week, and we kind of saying we knew we knew Miz and Shane were going to have a match at WrestleMania. It just depends on who's the heel and who's the face. But now the Miz, um, and then I told you it is in Miz in Miz's hometown, so you kind of you know could see a swerve where yeah they always do. If if you're from that hometown, you turn here and then you get the the heat. But now it's Shane McMahon is now in the heel role, which he's no, you know, he's been there before, just not in a very long time. Um, attacks the Miz after the match, attacks Miz's father, then he does a promo on SmackDown, which is I thought it was decent at best. Sometimes Shane McMahon looks a little nervous out there doing these uh, promos and. Um, says that you know he's the best in the world and you know Miz let's get her on at WrestleMania 35 what did you make of the initial heel turn um on Sunday by Shane and do you think it kind of throws you off seeing Shane now as the bad guy and the Miz going into into a WrestleMania I think for the first time correct me if I'm wrong for the first time ever as like the good guy well, I mean, it has happened before because he did turn face one time before years ago. Um, it was kind of a failed face turn for The Miz. I've always yeah. maintained, dating back six, seven, eight years, that Miz could work as a baby face. It's just a matter of how they book him because he is a natural heel. I will absolutely admit that he's a way better heel than as a baby face. But people are migrating to wanting to cheer towards him, you know, cheer for him anyway. So I don't really see what the uh, the harm is in turning him baby face if people are already going to be getting, uh, beginning to cheer him regardless. Um, but in this role, I think it could work, especially if he has the right foil to work with. That being a heel, Shane McMahon, who we have not seen as a heel in over a decade. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the last time we saw Shane as a heel in WWE was during the whole McMahon versus Bobby Lashley feud back in 2007. That was a dozen years ago. Wow. Um, So seeing Shane as a heel 
I think is refreshing, especially since the first time that he's been back in the company dating back to 2016, which I think is cool too. Um, the only reason I felt they would not do it. And like you said, Randy, all signs pointed to this happening, which I could not agree with you more on. But the issue is, is that with this company, they never really do what's logical and they never really do what makes the most sense. Now, it had been teased that Shane would turn on The Miz. They were in The Miz's hometown. But I fully expected The Miz to go heel because that's just what WWE would be known to do. But they actually went with the flow, turned The Miz babyface officially, turned Shane heel. The attack went off great. Now, granted, it wasn't Miz's hometown. So whether every crowd moving forward will be this behind The Miz or at least close to being this behind The Miz moving forward remains to be seen. But again, as long as they don't make him like hokey and corny like he was a few years ago as a babyface, mm-hmm. then I think this could really, really work. And honestly, coming off the angle they ran at Fastlane on Sunday, then again on SmackDown on Tuesday with Shane offering an explanation for his actions. I am officially looking forward to this match at WrestleMania, something I would not have said a month or two ago when it was first being teased that we were getting Shane and Miz at WrestleMania. So I like this a lot. Miz walks into WrestleMania for the first time as the babyface in several years, especially in the main card, because it happened before, like I said, I think at Mania 29, but he was on the kickoff show with Wade Barrett. So this is his first marquee <laughs> match at WrestleMania in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's a, it's a mid-card match, not main event. And that being said, too, he is not won a singles match at WrestleMania since Mania 27 when he beat John Cena to retain the title in the main event, which is a long time. So hopefully this uh, means he, that he can win this year as a babyface. So, so hold up. The Miz has not won a match at WrestleMania since 2011? Well, he won the following year and the year after that, but those. The 28 one was a tag team match. It was like the team John Laurinaitis versus team Teddy Long match. Uh, so it wasn't okay. a singles match. Right. And, okay. then at, and at 29, it was a singles match. Like I said, he beat Wade Barrett, but it was on the kickoff show. So I don't know if you really want to count that. 30, he was in the Battle <laughs> Royal, lost. 31 was in the Battle Royal, lost. Wow. Uh, 32 ladder match, lost. 33 in the tag team match with John Cena lost and last year defended the IC title and lost that too. So I think he's due for a WrestleMania win this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, what better way than to defeat the best in the world, Shane McMahon, right? <laughs> as much as I hated that whole best in the world shit, I was glad they brought back the trophy for the uh, uh-huh. going full circle on Tuesday. I thought that was a great touch. Uh, let me see what else we got. All right, so we, then we had the bar and Kofi. That I, I bring the Kofi up because, um. So the match later on was going to be Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens, and then they did, I see the the New Day going to talk to McMahon in the office and say, you know, do the right thing. You got to add Kofi to this match. And so McMahon said, all right. So the 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 the, the title match will be a triple threat. So everybody thinks it's Kofi. It's going to be Kofi KO and Daniel Bryan. Uh, but then we have Kofi go out there and lose in a, in, in a handicap match to the bar. But then we have the triple threat becoming KO, Daniel Bryan, and Mustafa Ali, who was not in the initial chamber match, which he was supposed to be in, but he got uh, legit hurt. And Kofi took his spot, and this, and, and this is where we're at now. But I bring up that because now Kofi Kingston on SmackDown uh, per McMahon says that, you know, the following week, next week, you got to go through a gauntlet match to earn a championship match against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So Dan, uh, Kofi has to beat Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, Eric Rowan, and who am I forgetting? 
It's Rowan, The Bar, Randy oh, the Orton, bar. Samoa Joe. All right, The Bar, Rowan, Samoa Joe, Randy Orton, and Kofi Kingston. If he wins that, which I think we all know he will, uh, he'll, he'll get Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. So I want to get your thoughts on the whole entire storyline, where it developed on SmackDown to, um, I'm sorry, to Fastlane, developing more on SmackDown, including McMahon, um, and now a gauntlet match, which is, you know, Kofi already had one a couple of weeks ago. He was there for at least an hour. He lost, but he was there for an hour. Um, are you liking the direction of how we're getting to Kofi and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? I think the storyline has been very well executed up to this point. People are very much behind Kofi. The bar match of Fastlane, I mean, people chanted boring, but at least they were chanting it for the right reasons because they wanted to see Kofi in the WWE title match that night, not facing the bar in a two-on-one handicap match. Right. And as much as I hate the handicap matches, as much as I hate the whole shenanigans bullshit, um, as long as this leads to Kofi becoming champion, which at this point he pretty much has to, then I'm totally content with it. And the whole authority figure holding the Person down. It feels a lot like Daniel Bryan from five years ago. So mm-hmm. it's nothing new, but it's all in the execution. And Kofi's a very likable guy. He's been to the company now for over a decade. People want to see him get his due, get his rightful WWE title, not only opportunity, but his rightful WWE title run. And I think that might happen at WrestleMania, if not soon after. Um, the only issue that I have with this angle was not really what we saw on Sunday or really even on Tuesday. It was really the announcement of the gauntlet match for a variety of reasons. One, like you said, Randy, we just saw a gauntlet match a month ago. It wasn't like, oh, this whole thing started with Kofi running a gauntlet looking impressive like a year ago or even six months ago. It was a month ago. So, which took up the entire second hour of SmackDown. It was a great gauntlet, don't get me wrong, but to go back to the well so soon, to me feels a bit premature second thing and i made this comment on twitter and i got a lot of responses and i'm not pooping on the fact that kofi's in the wwe title picture i'm totally fine with that i think kofi should be in the title picture he's a fresh face the guy deserves it i don't think he's wwe champion material long term but i do want to see him win the championship at wrestlemania so by no means does this mean i'm turning on kofi kingston my only argument against this is that if you beat kofi if you have kofi beat Rowan, who's a loser, so who cares? The Bar, <laughs> Samoa Joe, and Randy Orton. And I guess Rowan is credible because he did face The Rock three years ago at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said for that. Um, if he can beat all five of those guys in one night, what is stopping him from beating Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? And that's assuming it's a one-on-one match with no, no shenanigans, no bullshit, which I'm sure there will be. But still, Kofi beat Bryan clean. In the matter of, what, 10, 15 minutes in the first part of that gauntlet a month ago? So we know Kofi can beat Daniel Bryan. So I feel like they're making Kofi out to look too strong. Um, That's just personally my opinion. That doesn't mean I'm going to turn on him or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, Randy, if this was Roman Reigns, you have to know people would be shitting all over Roman Reigns saying, oh, he's burying the entire roster. Way to to make Randy Orton and Samoa Joe, the U.S. champion, look weak. But because it's Kofi Kingston, people are all over it. Like... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of how they're booking this. I'm not saying Kofi shouldn't go to WrestleMania because he, he absolutely should be. But to get from point A to point B, I feel like there's a better way of doing that than having it be at the expense of people like the bar, which isn't that big of a deal. But like Samoa Joe just won the U.S. title. We know Samoa Joe is not beating Kofi because we know Kofi's winning this thing. So to have Joe get beat by Kofi, to me, feels 
stupid. And then have Orton get pinned by Kofi after we already know Kofi can beat Orton um, because he pinned him inside that Elimination Chamber a few weeks ago. And obviously you could have AJ interfere, but you can't have people interfere with every little mini-match in this gauntlet. So, I don't know. I feel like the execution of this wasn't well thought out. Maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe they'll prove me wrong uh, with this gauntlet. They'll have people get involved but at that point does it really make kofi look credible so i feel like they could have done the same idea with different people because they have joe get beat by kofi at this point um to me also eliminates the possibility of having kofi face these people at the wrestlemania because if kofi beats everybody on smackdown then who is there left for him to face after wrestlemania if he wins the championship daniel bryan he will have already beaten orton samoa joe Mm -hmm. again rowan's not really a threat but like the bar and all those other people it just kind of feels short sighted to me um but by and large though i think the storyline is going really really well people are still very much behind kofi they haven't cooled him off the same way they have becky lynch so i'm very happy about that as well um but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out in the weeks ahead yeah because while i'm hearing you i'm looking at, at the tweet uh i'm trying to go back to it i found it he's saying basically you know making kofi look too strong if he wins a gauntlet match and beats all the top talent I think it'll be simple for him to beat Daniel Bryan one-on-one, even though he beat Daniel Bryan in a gauntlet match last month. Uh, a few things. One, with the, the comparison to Kofi, with Kofi to Roman Reigns, you feel like the fans out there are just more fa- more of a fan of Kofi in general than Roman. So like now, if this, if this was Roman Reigns and he has to beat Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler and Braun and two more guys to 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 get a championship title match. The fans would shit on it because they say, "Oh, come on! We all know Roman's gonna win now. He's gonna go to WrestleMania and get a, a, a another title shot. We all see this coming." But now you're saying that with Kofi doing on SmackDown, there are more fans like, "Yeah, yeah, hey, let let let's do this." You know, Kofi deserves it. He's been there for 11 years, never had a world title shot. Um, yeah, I'm all for it. So you're trying you're trying to say more fans are just more fans are more of a fan of Kofi Kingston and his story than Roman because they felt Roman was getting pushed down their throats, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe it's because we've seen it happen with Roman before, and there's no doubt that Kofi's winning. The same way there would be no doubt that Roman would win if he was put in that same exact situation. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's a better way of having Kofi get to WrestleMania than by having him beat five people, because at that point, how realistic is it? that he can't just beat Daniel Bryan with ease. Like, it should really feel like a tough obstacle. Like, if there was a a dominant world champion to have Kofi face, like, Braun Strowman, if he had been built up like a monster, or, I mean, obviously not Big Show at this point in time, but someone like that, you know, like someone that had been unstoppable, undefeated for months on end, and it was going to be a real tough task for Kofi to beat them for the championship. And therefore, you had to do things like this to make him look credible. That I would totally understand. But it's Daniel Bryan. And as great as Bryan is, I think people have a short-term memory, short-term memory loss here. Bryan's been beaten at least, what, three or four times? At least three or four times since he became champion. Um, Mustafa Ali has pinned him. Mm-hmm. Kofi Kingston has pinned him. Right. Kevin Owens has pinned him. He's been pinned like at least three or four times in the last few months. So how really credible is he if he only wins whenever his championship is on the line? And he did win on Tuesday SmackDown, which I was happy to see because he needs that type of win. But... Again, I feel like Kofi beating him at this point kind of feels like a 
foregone conclusion, which it shouldn't be. It should be more a matter of like, oh, well, he actually beat him from a storyline standpoint. So that was just me nitpicking. But like I said, overall, I like the story they're telling here. But you're also saying that it 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 won't make sense if Kofi beats all these guys who I would assume already have a match at WrestleMania with Orton and, you know, we'll get to that with AJ, Samoa so Joe, probably U.S. title match. Um, the bar as well, probably not uh, Rowan, but you cannot beat all these guys, get to WrestleMania, and then lose. So that's what you're saying, right? If, 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 if you're going to go all in and let Kobe mm-hmm. beat all these former world champions and, and whatnot, he has to beat Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania because for that, then what was the point, right? Well, yeah, that that wasn't exactly what I was thinking. But, yeah, I mean, from a booking standpoint, yeah, definitely. I mean, why would you have him beat all these top talents if he was just going to go ahead and lose? But I'm just saying, like, realistically, from a storyline standpoint, if he beats five people in the same night, and these aren't, like, losers like Zack Ryder and Kofi, like Zack Ryder and, and Kurt Hawkins or something. Like, these are some top talents here excluding Rowan. If he beats these guys <laughs> in the same night, then what's what's so unrealistic? Like, You know what I'm saying? Like, If yeah. he can beat these five guys, then what's stopping him from beating Brian at WrestleMania? It's just one dude. So if he can beat five people, why wouldn't he be able to beat one person at WrestleMania? Um, if it's a standard one-on-one match, if that was a handicap match, or if Kofi had the odds stacked against them again, which he likely will, I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's just me looking too into it, so I understand that, but I, I just think it's kind of weird. Does it, does it, um, because for me it does, does it kind of remind you of how they did the storyline for WrestleMania 19 with Triple H and Booker T? Um, I don't know, I know Booker T fought Hunter at, at, at a WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19, but I forgot like the storyline of how he got to that point. Um, but again, it's like they looked at Booker as saying at that time, you deserve it. You should be world champion. You're a five-time WCW champion. Never got your, your your dues here. And now it's, you know, everybody on earth who was a wrestling fan then and now would say Booker T should have won the world title from Triple H at WrestleMania 19. That did not happen. So I, as a fan, could see, all right, let's not do the same with Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. And of course there is the initial black and white thing. Don't have Kofi do all this, get a world title shot at WrestleMania and then lose, even though we're still kind of early in the Daniel Bryan, um, title reign. You never know. They probably want this to go longer or they say, you know what? We can stop it right now get Kofi is due. And then Daniel Bryan would win it back in like two, three months. But, I don't want it to, to for the storyline to play out how the Booker T and Hunter did back at WrestleMania 19, and they should make Kofi win if they're going all out to make him look super strong. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I see the similarities there because going into WrestleMania 19, I think the biggest issue with that was that going into that WrestleMania, the commentators like flat out said, like, this guy's a criminal. He has a record. You're a loser. Blah, blah, blah. You can't win the big one. So when they don't win the big one, Mm -hmm. it pretty much validates everything that anyone has ever said about him being a loser. So why would you do that? Like, if you're going to have him lose then don't say stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they don't know sometimes months out whether they're going to win or lose. Sometimes it's really a decision that's made the night of the show. But, like, going into that WrestleMania, the commentators were like, yeah, he's really not that good, like, as good as Triple H. 
And then it's like, okay, that would make sense if he beats Triple H. Then it's like, oh, we proved them wrong. But he didn't, though. He still fell short. So it's like, okay, so it proves at this point that Booker is really not that good and should have never been in this spot to begin with. Which would be fine if he wasn't that good, but he was, though. And he should have beaten Triple H, but he didn't. So it makes people look at him in a certain light like, okay, he really isn't that good. Or like at this point, like with Kofi Kingston, I, I, I definitely see what you're saying here, Randy. With Kofi, they were like on Tuesday, which I thought was a great line. Oh, Daniel Bryan thinks you're a B-plus player, which is amazing because that was the same line the authority used on Daniel Bryan years ago. I thought right. that was great storytelling. But at this point, if Kofi doesn't win, then he's a B-plus player. I mean, we already kind of know that because he's been a mid-card guy for years now. But, like, if he wins, it's like, oh, he was definitely more than that. But if he loses, it's like, eh, they were probably right about you this entire time. So there is something to be said for that, too. And hopefully that's not the case come Mania, and they put the championship on him instead. I think I think if Kofi wins at WrestleMania, trying to see – I want to ask you, too. Um, if he wins at Mania, I, I think – what they would do is have Kofi win, but then Daniel Bryan gets it right back like the month or two after. I, I, I'm looking at the schedule. They got they pushed up Money in the Bank to to May. Usually, you you know, usually it's June, but now it's May. But I could see Kofi winning at Mania, and then like a month or two later, Daniel Bryan gets it back. Because at the same time, I think I think there le- there there are a lot of fans who like this Daniel Bryan is different with the eco stuff and the belt. It's like you know, we'll give Kofi the WrestleMania moment, but then Daniel Bryan may get right back with the belt at, at, at Money in the Bank or sometime after that. No, that's fine. I think it's totally fine to put the belt on Kofi only to have Bryan win it back soon after. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Honestly, if Bryan mm. beat him for the belt two days later on SmackDown, I would not care. I honestly would not care at all. I think it'd be. I think they should give him more than two days. Oh, I yeah, think he should too. hold the belt until, <laughs> like you said, I think a lot of people would be pissed, but at least he had his moment, you know? If that was the case, no matter how long the rain lasts. But yeah, realistically, um, he could drop the belt as soon as, like you said, their updated pay-per-view schedule. I don't think there's another show in April. I just think there's the Saudi show in early May, which is yet to be officially announced. But I assume that will be added, um, like that that will be officially announced within the next few weeks. I think. Mm. Um, I think for May second, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's when that comes. Uh, that that event would be happening in Saudi Arabia. Um, Crown Jewel Part Two. God save us all. Yeah. But um, like you said, Money in the Bank is a few weeks after that. It's May 19th. I'm actually going into that pay-per-view, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It's in Hartford, Connecticut, our first pay-per-view here in Connecticut in like 15 years. Oh, wow. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, that would be totally fine if they pulled the trigger at that show as opposed to uh, doing it at WrestleMania with Brian retaining and have that be it. Hey, man, the WWE in Hartford, Connecticut, every time I hear that, 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 that marriage, I think of fucking Wrestlemania 11 which I think is the worst Wrestlemania of all time along with Wrestlemania 9 so good luck to Hartford at Money in the Bank <laughs> oh god we'll see hey Money in the Bank never ceases to deliver so we uh, shall see Hartford's not the not exactly Chicago or like a New York in terms of uh, crowd reactions but hopefully we can hold our own uh, what else we got here real quick um, Fast Lane alright so I mentioned Orton earlier we're gonna have him and AJ officially at WrestleMania, um, I think w- when did Orton come out? Okay, there was the the, the Elias thing going on, 
And then Orton comes out with the RKO. Then AJ come with the flying forearm. The crowd, the crowd was very much into it. We get their promo on SmackDown, going back and forth. You know, 2002, I was doing this. I was main eventing WrestleMania. I was headlining with The Undertaker. I was winning the world title as the youngest wrestler of all time while you were tanning with Dixie Carter and TNA, this and that. And, and I thought it was very well done. I think I think it felt more, um, more real than like something generic or something written down that they had to say. But both were, I thought, great in that promo. Um, what you make of the promo between AJ and Orton, and does it does it make you more excited to see Orton and AJ officially now at WrestleMania? Absolutely, I thought the segment was great. They've done a very good job of building up this match over the course of a few weeks now between the backstage interactions, the uh, RKO into the phenomenal forearm spot at Fastlane, and now this on SmackDown. Because before. We all expected it to happen at WrestleMania after, I think, Orton pinned Styles at, on an episode of SmackDown, then again at, at uh, Elimination Chamber. So we all kind of expected it to happen, but it was a match like, okay, it's going to be a good wrestling match. But, like, what reason do fans have to care? That reason came to be on Tuesday when these two interacted on the mic. I thought it was awesome. Obviously, this was not a shoot promo. It's not like it was unscripted and they were shooting from the hip here. Right. Obviously, everything here they said was scripted. But like you said, Randy, it wasn't the fact that it was scripted. It was. It felt like it was real, and that's what matters. Um, and they weren't, like, doing what Ronda Rousey's doing, like, oh, this shit is fake, or Triple H, all of them in character. <laughs> They weren't pulling that dumb card. I was not a fan of that when they did it on. They, they've done that on Raw in recent weeks. This was totally different. They're taking actual digs at each other that would be the actual premise for a program between the two. AJ Styles is the uh, you know definition of an independent wrestler. He was on the indie scene for over a decade and a half before he finally came to WWE. Meanwhile, Randy Orton is the epitome of a sports entertainer and they're just they're just coming from two totally different worlds and you know they can both go in there and get the job done in the ring i thought that was awesome um i thought the back the back and forth was excellent and uh it got people talking for sure and i think this match could be a lot like one of your favorite wrestlemania matches randy cm punk and randy orton except this feud has an actual like reason to be happening because like that feud they like pulled something out of their ass from like two and a half years earlier because they didn't really have any other reason to do the match. Um, this is kind of similar where both guys really didn't have anything of note going into WrestleMania. Mm. But these are actual like established issues between the two things that would make sense. Like, oh, shit, um, you know, you stole this and you stole that. I've been here while you were, you know, wrestling for hot dogs and the indie scene for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. I thought that was great. So, yes, I'm looking forward to the match. I think it could be a real barn burner in the ring, and uh, regardless of who wins. But yeah, I thought that was a great way to kind of heat up the feud on Tuesday SmackDown. Would you Would you prefer that uh, that promo or Batista Hunter just saying, "Give me what I want. You know what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give it to me. Give it to me." <laughs> The memes coming out of that were pretty great. I will say that the, uh, the the parodies of the various songs and whatnot I thought were tremendous. Um, I didn't actually hate that promo as much as as many of, as other people did. I thought it was all right. Yeah. But yeah. The whole like give me what I want thing, and then Triple H just gives in, but it's on his terms. It, I, I see what they were. I saw what they were going for there. It just could have been done better. 
That's all. It just seemed a little repetitive with Batista just saying, just give me what I want. And I know they want Batista to come off as a whiner and a complainer, and I think heel Batista is amazing, but it was a... Uh, it was. It was. It left a little bit to be desi- to, de- uh, to be desired to uh, to say the least. So I thought it was an all right promo segment, but not nearly as good as what we saw on SmackDown with AJ Norton. Yeah, I felt, you know, looking at Batista, that, you know, we always knew that he wasn't like as comfortable on the microphone or whatever the case may be. But like you, maybe just me, but he looked kind of nervous or kind of anxious doing that promo. Maybe. I thought I thought for for a second that he forgot what you know he was supposed to say for a little bit, but maybe he just you know again I think this is the first time he's been there since the SmackDown 1000, um, and then cutting this promo with, with, with Hunter, which I thought you know you would feel comfortable because it is Hunter in the ring, but he looked a little nervous, a little anxious. Um, I, I and for me, I'm like. Is that all the material you gave Batista? Just really come out there and say, you know what I want, give it to me, and you know, give me what I want, or or or, or else, or whatever it case may be. I'm like, there's got to be more material you gave him, unless he just totally forgot and just went rogue and just did that. I I I felt it was okay, but like if you're bringing Batista back and you know the backstory with him and Hunter and the the rivalry and this and that, like it could have went, you know. It could it, it, it could have gone a lot better. Like you said, there was more left to be desired. Maybe they'll make up for it in the next couple of weeks prior to WrestleMania. But I think for the first time in that interaction, could have been done a lot better. Definitely. I mean, granted, there is more time remaining until WrestleMania. So they could always heat up the program between now and then. Um, I thought this was kind of a miss. The program has been largely hit or miss. I thought what they did the last two weeks was largely good. Um, this was not nearly as, um, you know, strong, but I thought both guys held their own. It was a fine segment. It just could have been better, and they stole the opportunity to redeem themselves between now and WrestleMania in three weeks. Um, let me see what we got here. All right, so I know we mentioned Ronda earlier. Um, they had the match between Becky and Charlotte at Fastlane. If Becky wins, she goes on to be added to the triple threat match at WrestleMania. If Charlotte was to win, Becky is not in the match. So Ronda comes in and hits Becky to disqualify Charlotte. And then they're both in the ring just kind of like, what the fuck just happened? And Becky's smiling, whatever. And Charlotte's upset. We get to Raw. And Ronda, I think, cuts another dope promo. You know what's funny, Grant? What I've noticed is um, there are a lot of which I get a lot of Becky Lynch fans out there with the whole man stuff. And I commend her for that. But it seems like anything that Ronda Rousey does, people are going to shit on it regardless. Whether whether you really think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible promo, a whining promo, a really dope fire promo, no matter what she does, people are going to shit on it and praise Becky. Because when you watch the promo from Becky on SmackDown, I thought it was okay, but it wasn't like what Ronda did the night before or the week week prior when Ronda kicked, kicked uh, everybody's ass. And I'm like, now we're going to Mania, and I think everybody has been cutting decent promo. Ronda's showing more of a fiery attitude, which is, you know, about fucking time. Um, but now we get to her cutting that promo on Monday. Talk about, you know, you know, about the... 
I'm I'm still gonna beat Ron, um, Charlotte and Becky on the grand stage of them all. You think I care about you bandwagon bitches? And I'm like, all right, I'm home. Like, okay, let let's go. We get to Tuesday, Charlotte and Becky cut a regular, you know, inside the ring, outside the ring promo and blase blase. And it's like, all right, now we get a triple threat match for the for the title at Mania. Um, what'd you make of the interference by Ronda, the promo by Ronda on Monday, and the interaction between Charlotte and Becky on SmackDown? So the good and the bad, I thought the Fastlane match was a disappointment, mm. like I said earlier, because Charlotte and Becky had some great matches late last year over that SmackDown Women's Championship. I was expecting something similar on this show. Becky wins. They move on to WrestleMania. Becky looks strong again. She has really cooled off considerably. I don't think there's any argument against that. She's still very popular. People still want to see her win at WrestleMania, as she should, but... The just the aura around her is not the same that it, what it was even a month or two ago because they booked her to look not inferior to Ronda. It's not like Ronda beating her up, you know, hindered Becky's popularity. But the fact that she won, that she the only way that she advanced the WrestleMania was through disqualification via interference from uh, Ronda Rousey, I thought was weak. It was so stupid, completely defeated the purpose of the match. And I think the only real reason why they may have done that was to protect Charlotte. Because they know Charlotte's not winning right. at WrestleMania. Charlotte has not won a pay-per-view match by pinfall since SummerSlam in August. So she had to lose here to get Becky back in the match at WrestleMania, which she should have never been taken out of to begin with. But they did not want to get Charlotte pinned again. She's likely going to take the pin at WrestleMania, which I really do think it have. It should be Becky pinning Ronda, but whatever. Um, she's likely getting beaten at WrestleMania, so she couldn't get beaten again here at the risk of making her look weak. So it's a lot of convoluted booking right now. I thought that was really stupid. Granted, the fallout on Raw and SmackDown I thought was very well done. It's usually the other way around, like a great initial angle, and then the follow-up isn't there. I thought it was the opposite this week because the Ronda Rousey promo on Raw I thought was some of, if not the best mic work she's done since coming to wwe right she's clearly in her element as a heel she showed that a week ago uh the intensity is there the only real thing i would i mean again i'm no expert on promos but the only real thing that stands out to me that i think she needs to work on is like rushing through her lines because it feels like she's yelling and shouting and sometimes i have no idea what she's saying so i mean i i think the promos are She's getting the intensity down pat. The passion is there. It's just that it feels like Paul Heyman, who I think is reportedly involved in the writing of her promos. It definitely feels like a Paul Heyman promo when you're throwing in big words and stuff like that. But just the execution could be better with her just slowing it down and uh, you know stuff like that. So beyond that, I thought she came across really well on Monday. And then she came across like an even bigger badass when she beat the living shit out of Dana Brooke, which oh, I thought yeah. was glorious. <laughs> Dana's like, oh, complaining, oh, I'm never on TV, blah, blah, blah. And then she just gets the shit kicked out of her by Ronda Rousey. I thought that was amazing. And then the Becky and Charlotte promo, They've been going back and forth in the mic for, again, months. They've been doing this since August, dude. You would think that it would feel old by now. And in some weeks it does, but I thought the material they were given to work with this week was perfect. The segment didn't overstay its welcome. I thought it was very well done. So uh, good stuff there, good stuff on Raw. The Fastlane mm. match was what really had an issue with this past week with these three women. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The fact that the reason why they didn't have like Charlotte be pinned or submitted on, on uh, at Fastlane was to, was to protect her because they know she's not going to win at Mania and they don't want her to lose back-to-back -back, um, 
you know, pay-per-views to the same person. So it's like, why, if Becky beats Charlotte, why is Charlotte in this triple threat match to begin, to begin with at WrestleMania? So it's like, my thing is, you, you couldn't, maybe you shouldn't even have had the match, maybe, to a degree, but to have uh, Ronda interfere like that, uh, like you said, it was kind of weak, but hey, no matter what, we all there. Becky, Charlotte, Ronda, WrestleMania for the Raw Women's title. Still remains to be seen if that's the main event. I think all signs point to that, but you never know with the company. But I think a lot of people w- would be upset if that's not the main event. Um, and then the main event of Fastlane with The Shield, Corbin, McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. Um, the Shield gets a victory. Then we go to Raw. And they're all saying they're kind of going their separate ways. We get Shelton Benjamin out of fucking nowhere to attack Seth Rollins. <laughs> um, Seth is going to get Brock at Mania. There's still no match for Roman or Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania. Um, most of us thought that there was going to be a, uh, a heel turn by Ambrose on Roman to set up that match. That did not happen at Fastlane. That did not happen on Raw. Um, Drew... It was, Roman was supposed to have a match with Corbin. Drew attacks him. Roman's out, and then Dean Ambrose gets the match with McIntyre to the you know defend the honor of Reigns. He gets his ass kicked, and now I think it'll be Drew and Roman at WrestleMania. Remains to be seen what Ambrose is going to do. Um, if we're not getting a heel turn by Ambrose on Roman to set that match up, what do you think we get with Roman? At Mania, what do you think we get with Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania? Well, I think they made it pretty apparent on Raw this week that Dean is not going heel, which was my original idea. I'm sure I wasn't the only one who pitched that. Yeah. I figured Brian, or rather um, Dean, would go heel on Mondays, or rather at the Fastlane pay-per-view on Sunday, or maybe even on Monday's Raw during the Shield you know, farewell address. Like they kick off the show, they say, yeah. goodbye, they, they say goodbye to the Shield. Dean Ambrose goes heel, boom, WrestleMania match right there. That didn't happen. The the address kind of felt anticlimactic to me personally. Um, it was all right, but like Roman spoke for maybe two or three minutes, and that was it. And then Roman and Dean walked off, and then it was all Seth Rollins talking about something else. So I thought that was a little weird. Um, that being said, though, I think they made it pretty apparent on Monday's Raw that it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. Because if you can recall, it was going to be Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin which had actually been rumored for WrestleMania at one point, so hopefully we're not getting that after all. Mm. Um, that match was supposed to happen on Raw this week. McIntyre came out, beat the living crap out of Roman Reigns, which led to Ambrose facing McIntyre on Raw instead. They had a very good match. McIntyre won again, as he should have, and added insult to injury afterwards by just, again, destroying Dean Ambrose. So that very well could have been the final time we had seen Dean Ambrose on WWE TV. That might have been it for the Dean Ambrose character on WWE TV. I would not be surprised. Because mm. if it's not, what else do you do with them? Roman and McIntyre, I prefer Roman and Dean, but Roman and McIntyre is not a bad consolation prize. It gets McIntyre in a big marquee match at WrestleMania against a former world champion. Uh, a former world champion versus a future world champion. I think it writes itself. They, I don't think I've ever gone one-on-one before, so it's a fresh match to do too. I assume McIntyre's losing, but whatever it's better than throwing him in the battle royal for no you know for like no reason and having him lose that so i'd rather have him lose i'd rather have him lose to roman reigns at wrestlemania one-on-one than throw him in the battle royal where he can lose there instead um so i like that match with dean because he's not likely facing roman at wrestlemania 
And if they were going to do that angle, they would have done it at Fastlane or on Monday's Raw because there's now three TVs to go until WrestleMania. So I don't think that's happening. I think they'll just add Roman and McIntyre to the card instead. Uh, With Dean, either he's going to be in Roman's corner, help Roman win, because if you do Roman and McIntyre, what do you do with Baron Corbin, who I don't want to see him face Roman at WrestleMania, um, but maybe he's in McIntyre's corner. Maybe they put him in the Battle Royal. I don't know. I just don't see any other obvious match for Baron Corbin at WrestleMania. So maybe Corbin's in McIntyre's corner, and then Ambrose is in Roman's corner. Again, it's kind of like the Shield shit from Fastlane, just without Rollins and Lashley involved. So they really should not have said goodbye to the Shield of that likely wasn't it but i still maintain that ambrose is leaving after wrestlemania um that's just my opinion but uh yeah i know i think that's likely what they'll do roman mcintyre one-on-one with ambrose in roman's corner if not they might just keep ambrose off tv until his contract expires next month yeah you, you know you can't have a, a a farewell dress with brand new shield merch exactly this kind of feels <laughs> wrong doesn't it um i I see where you're going. I see what you're saying. What I the only last hope if they don't do the heel turn on Raw, and if if Ambrose is indeed staying, the only thing that I would see happening as a last ditch effort, because if if this doesn't happen, then we all can kind of see Ambrose is really really gone from the company. Um, the fact that you can see Dean Ambrose turning heel on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, which would, which would probably be a bigger deal than him tur- him turning on Roman on Raw. Um, like you said, it could be a- Ambrose in, in Re- a Roman's corner. It could be Baron Corbin in Drew McIntyre's corner. They can say, fuck it, we'll do a tag match. It'll be Ro- Roman and Dean against Corbin and McIntyre, uh, which, which, you know, which could make a lot of sense. And then you pull off a hill turn live at WrestleMania, which I think if I'd rather do a hill turn in front of, you know, 80,000 people and get that real strong heat than in somewhere in like a raw arena with like 18,000 people. So if that doesn't happen, then 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 I think Ambrose walks. Um, like you said, there's, there's still three weeks remaining for TV. So we'll see. But Ambrose turning heel on Roman at Mania. I mean, that pop might go crazy, Graham, if that happens. If Ambrose turns on Roman at WrestleMania? Yes. It would be cool. I think it would be awesome. Okay, so I, I don't think they would have McIntyre straight up beat Roman because right. the guy just came back from cancer. So they're not going to do that. But exactly. if you wanted to find an out for Roman Reigns to lose, have McIntyre win only after Ambrose turns on Roman Reigns. Exactly. That would be cool. And then Ambrose can come out on the post WrestleMania Raw, the post WrestleMania Raw, and say, "You guys all fell for it. I'm not actually leaving." Which this wasn't a work the entire time for people that are wondering. I'm sure this was real. And if anything, he just ended up resigning for whatever reason. I think he was always planning on leaving, but maybe he changed his mind. Assuming he did change his mind, so, but he can come out in storyline and say, "I never planned on leaving. You suckers fell for it." Roman comes out, boom, you get Dean and Roman for the next three or four months on Raw. So that would be perfect. I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll tell the feel-good story of Roman Reigns going over um, after overcoming cancer last month. So that, that's where I see this going. But um, that that was really what I would want to see with Ambrose turning on Roman to allow McIntyre to pick up the victory at WrestleMania. Um, a couple of quick things before I let you go. Um, Kurt Angle announced that uh, he's going to retire. His final match will be 
at WrestleMania. So, you know, again, going to Baron Corbin, I'm kind of hoping that it's not Baron Corbin and Kurt, and Kurt Angle for his final match. Um, so you have, let's, let, let's throw them out there, Baron Corbin, you have John Cena, you have Samoa Joe who does not have an opponent, um, a lot of other people who, do, who does not have an opponent yet for WrestleMania. Kurt Angle's final match in the company in wrestling should be against who? G- give me like top three choices that uh, that you would go with. I think the most logical person would be John Cena. Uh, Cena started his career by facing Angle. It only makes sense for Angle to finish his career by facing John Cena. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter who wins or loses by this right. point. Angle's been losing to lose. He lost to Baron Corbin two months ago, so like, who cares at this point? But um, that's a good way to get seen on the card because if he's not facing Samoa Joe, as had been teased, which was the match I really wanted to say, but it looks like they're not going in that direction because if they were, they would have set it up already on Tuesday SmackDown, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. So um, that's not happening. But um, yeah, I think Cena and Angle is the match they'll do. If it's not John Cena by, you know, for whatever reason... This is going to sound like a stretch, but Chad Gable would be cool. And listen, I know the guy's been a tag team guy for a while now. Um, You know, he's not like a a notable name by any stretch of the imagination, but they're both Olympic athletes. It'd be a really fun match. If they're having Angle face losers like Apollo Crews and Jinder, which people also got upset about when I said that on Tuesday uh, during Monday's (laughs) Raw, that he was facing Apollo Crews when he should be facing bigger names going into WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to Crews. But, like, Cruz got nothing out of that match, really. I'm glad Angle won. Right. And Cruz is a great wrestler. I'm not denying that. I've been saying that for years now. But the guy's been a loser for months, if not years. So what did he really gain coming out of that match? I'd rather see Angle facing bigger names going out uh, before he retires. But if they want to put him up against people that don't really have much going on right now, Chad Gable, to me, makes the most sense. Um, him and Bobby Lashley for the IC title, it doesn't really do much for me. Angle and, um, you know, Angle and what was the other guy? Finn Balor, maybe. If they want to have Finn Balor go out on top by beating or have Kurt Angle go out on top by losing to Finn Balor. There's also another name which I think could work. This is a real dark horse, and they're not going to do it because the guy has not been on TV in a long-ass time. EC3. Because they have history from Impact years ago. EC3 actually beat Kurt Angle to win the TNA World Heavyweight title years ago. Not that they would bring that up. But if you really want to make a star out of someone, Mm -hmm. you have them beat Kurt Angle in their last match, EC3 is that guy. Um, I think it would be a good match. Again, EC3 has not been on TV in a month. He's been losing on main event to Apollo Crews and Tyler Breeze, which goes to show how little they think of him at the moment, which I don't even know why they bothered to call him up if that was the case. But yeah, EC3, Chad Gable, and John Cena are my top three candidates to face Angle at uh, WrestleMania. Um, I would say John Cena would be the most logical one. You mentioned that that's how G- uh, John Cena got his start with the whole Rufus Aggression stuff and um, that was his first opponent, Kurt Angle, all the way back in, what, 2003? A uh, long time ago. That, yeah, 2002, actually. Two, wow. Okay. Um, um, and plus, it, it, it'll, it'll remind me and, and most how, like, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels was at, at WrestleMania 24, where Ric Flair was on that, you know, if you lose, you're out. But, he, he, you know, he got to Mania. He gets Shawn Michaels as the next opponent. And then, like best friends mentors and everything we all know you know for for a degree that john and kurt are good friends outside of wrestling so i think that's that that makes the most sense um so we'll see about that i don't think anybody else uh maybe 
Taker, but I, I think John Cena is the more logical story. They can build a story f- behind that um, with more content. So hopefully Kurt Angle gets uh, John Cena at WrestleMania. Speaking of WrestleMania, real quick, um, WrestleMania 36 will be in Tampa. Um, so now we go from a cold climate in New York here to Tampa next year. Uh, do you see yourself going to Tampa next year for WrestleMania 36, Graham? Hey, listen, there's a decent chance. I was there in Orlando for the last one uh, back in 2017. Had a great time. I'll be there this year, but Tampa would be amazing. Like you said, if only for the warm weather. I feel bad for the rest of the country. I'm not dismissing that at all. Um, it really does suck that we get all the WrestleManias here on the, on the uh, East Coast between New York, New Orleans, Florida. These are all very accessible to us here in the Northeast on the East Coast of the country. I feel bad for people over in California. I mean, the people over in Europe, it's like they've never gotten a mania. So that's always been an issue. But like WWE's got to start sharing the love with these other with these other uh, states because Florida has now gotten WrestleMania four times in uh, over a dozen years between WrestleMania's 24, 28, 33 and now 36 that's ridiculous and granted they were all different cities uh miami orlando and now tampa but still that's quite a few wrestlemanias in the same vicinity over a very short period of time but personally speaking i would love to go would be an amazing weekend down in the sunshine state um you mentioned real quick um trying to see, I, know, I know it's recent the last time they had wrestlemania like in the west coast i mean yeah texas 32 then he had Santa Clara before that, WrestleMania 31. Yep. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, then Glendale, Phoenix 2010, Houston 09. Yeah, like, they don't, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. It's a lot of California, a lot of Houston, Texas. You're not getting, um, then they had Dallas. You're not getting, like, Seattle, like, 19 and, Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you know, they should start sharing the wealth. There are some brand new stadiums that that have gone up in the last four or five years that, that could use the WrestleMania. I thought Minnesota would have gotten it with their new, with their new stadium. I'm pretty sure. Um, in due time, you're gonna get like the new Ram Stadium. It's gonna get that down the road. So um, so yeah, 36 in Tampa. I'm not sure if I'm gonna go because I, I can't even get tickets for fucking New York. So we'll see about <laughs> Tampa for 36. Um, Real quick, I had something else. Right, and um, Harlem Heat, Hall of Fame, what do you think? Uh, well-deserved induction. I am surprised to say that Booker T will now be a two-time Hall of Famer. To me, just don't get me wrong, Booker T is great, but like for him of all people to go in twice this soon, like Ric Flair going in twice makes perfect sense. Shawn Michaels going in twice this year makes perfect sense. Booker T, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little weird to me. But uh, it's a very well-deserved induction. The Harlem Heat, one of the greatest tag teams of all time, never once competed in WWE, but they were a staple of WCW's tag team division for a very long time, helped get Booker on the map. Stevie Ray, an incredibly accomplished competitor in his own right. So uh, a very well-deserved induction. There are teams that would have inducted ahead of them. Uh, There's a lot of teams I, I don't think they can induct for certain reasons um i would have put in the Hart foundation as just maybe even just bret hart and jim Nyhart, yeah. just that tag team you know get british bulldog in there maybe owen Hart. i know they want to duck that one for you know various reasons right now maybe down the road um i would have done that ahead of harlem heat i would have inducted demolition i know why they didn't do that because demolition's a part or they were a part of a lawsuit against the company for the whole concussion thing a few years ago so yeah that'll take a while to uh to fix that you know 
broken fence, but whatever. Um, Harlem Heat, very well-deserved induction. Although, on the whole, this is a very strange class for the Hall of Fame between Tory Wilson, Honky Tonk Man, Harlem Heat, and DX. That's uh, quite the mishmash of former <laughs> superstars. So uh, we'll see how those speeches go in New York. Um, yeah, you know me, man. I, you know, I feel I feel the Hart Foundation should be in. Should have been. Should have been in a long time ago. Demolition should have been in, in a long time ago. Um, you know, you got teams like Edge and Kristen. Could have gone in before Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat, like you said, yep. ne- never performed. You know, in the company. I they're a great tag team. They're Hall of Fame worthy. I just don't think they get in before those, especially if those perform in the company, you know, and, and not Harlem Heat. So um all 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 power to them. Booker T is now a two time Hall of Famer. I know uh you you know, say your displeasure about that. Someone like Bret Hart should be a, a two-time Hall of Famer before, uh, before that. Edge and Christian. Um, but, you know, anyhow, all respect to them. So, you know, great. A, a weird, different Hall of Fame class we got going on this year. Two more things. Right now, it's rumored to have... Are you ready, Grant? I know you be at WrestleMania. A rumored 17 matches on the card. Rumored. Some are confirmed. Oof. Some are uh, rumored. So, be prepared to see... The following, we'll see if they uh, are all confirmed in the next three weeks. We do have Seth and Brock, Charlotte, Becky, Ronda, uh, Cedric, Tony Nice, Buddy Murphy. That's three matches. Triple H, Batista, that's four. Kurt Angle versus somebody is five. Miz and Shane, six. AJ, Orton, seven. Kofi versus Daniel Bryan, rumored. That's number eight. Asuka, maybe against somebody, that's nine. Uh, the women's tag match, that's ten, rumored. The Raw Tag Raw Tag Match, uh, rumored, number 11. The SmackDown Tag Match, rumored, that's 12. Samoa Joe for the um, U.S. title could be rumored as, as, as a 13th match. Bobby Lashley for the IC title, number 14. Roman Reigns against somebody that's 15. The Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is 16. And the Women's Battle Royal Match, 17. Are you ready? <laughs> That's unbelievable. And then you got to throw in the Hall of Fame segment and then a yeah. likely Elias appearance in there somewhere oh, as well. Man. So these WrestleMania cards just keep getting bigger and bigger every single year. The show's going to be going till 1 o'clock in the morning uh, that Sunday, into Monday morning. I can guarantee it. But uh, yeah, I think WrestleMania is already confirmed to be seven hours between the two hour kickoff. I think it's already, I think it's like a thing now for Mania to be five hours with all the other pay per views being four hours. So if it goes till midnight, no surprise. But if it goes past midnight into like one o'clock, that's where it's like, holy shit, like this is late. But uh, I mean, it's not like, oh, they could scrap one of those matches and whatever. I think they're going to have every single one. Like every single one of those matches sounds plausible. So they might have to cut some matches and make them shorter, but. It's going to be a long night, to say the least. Yeah, because I'm reading, uh, I think it's, they had it on Forbes, um, WrestleMania 30. They're getting longer every single year, which is no no shock. But 32 was at um, 286 minutes. 33 was 305 minutes. 34, 314 minutes. So, I mean... I'm just saying, be prepared to to watch a, a, like an eight hour show of WrestleMania 35 in, uh, in Jersey, bro. Oh well, hey, I paid my ticket. I'll be there. <laughs> so there's no going back now. I will bring um, lots of caffeine to keep myself yeah. awake for the entire yeah. event. Absolutely, and then, um, uh, I'll wrap up with this. Um, 
we are taping we are taping this the day after but um yesterday was the two, 15th anniversary of wrestlemania 20 which is here in new york at the garden real quick um when was the last time you saw anything from wrestlemania 20 WrestleMania 20. It's it's been a while. I don't think I've rewatched WrestleMania 20 in a few years, but it's a pretty good show. Another event that for the time ran really really long. Um, that was like a four hour show, well over a four hour show. That might have been the first time Mania went over four hours, but yeah, very extraordinary event. Um, had a lot of good matches. Angle, Eddie Guerrero, the three way main event: Benoit, Michaels, Triple H. One of the greatest Mania matches. Um, of all time, um, various multi-man matches for the tag team titles. I think they had Molly Holly versus like Victoria for the women's title. They had a lot of matches on that show. Some very good matches too. So overall, I enjoyed it. I just remember that mania being very long. So real quick, Graham, going to run down this card and you're going to tell me what you thought about it. Cause this is, uh, 15 years ago. We had John Cena and big show for the u.s title john cena i think he won his first uh ever title uh that night then we had booker t and rob van dam defeat the dudleys and mark jinrak and uh who uh, garrison kate kaden jinrak and the la resistance oh boy for the <laughs> for the world tag titles christian defeated chris jericho evolution defeated uh the rock and sock connection uh, Foley and The Rock. We had Tori Wilson, um, Hall of Famer. And Sable defeated Miss Jackie and uh, Stacey Keebler in an evening gown match. Oh, God. Uh, Chavo Guerrero defeated... Oh, who is that? Akio, Billy Kidman, Funaki, Jamie Noble, Nunzio, Rey Mysterio, Shannon Moore, Tajiri, and Ultimo Dragon. Uh, and a Cruiserweight Open for the Cruiserweight Championship. Wow. Goldberg, Brock Lesnar. Uh, Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar. We all know how that shit happened. Stone Cold with the ref. And both Brock and Goldberg got booed out the building because they were uh, going to leave right after that. Um, Rikishi and Scotty Too Hotty defeated the APA and the world's greatest tag team in a fatal four-way for the WWE Tag Team Championship. Victoria defeated Molly Holly in a hair versus title match for the WWE Women's title. Eddie Guerrero, you mentioned, defeated Kurt Angle for the WWE Championship. Taker defeated Kane. And then we have Benoit defeating Triple H and Shawn Michaels in a triple threat match for the World Heavyweight Championship. Longest match on the card, the main event. So that's WrestleMania 20, 15 years ago this week. Yeah, it was a good show. Um, like I said, there was it was one of those manias where it went long, and it felt like one of those events where it just felt like they got every they tried to get every person on the card. There were various multi man matches. Some were good, some were pretty forgettable. But uh, yeah, one of those events that I don't think will ever be forgotten, if only because it was Mania Twenty. It was in the Garden. Um, the top two main events really were. I mean, if it wasn't for those top two main events for the world titles, I don't know if the show would be as well remembered as it is um but overall i thought it was a very um monumental wrestlemania i guess might be the right word to describe it in a nutshell right uh graham matthews always a pleasure uh again we're on the road to wrestlemania 35 we'll have a couple more uh preview shows hopefully we'll get mark raymondi back on the on, on the on the podcast at least one time prior to wrestlemania 35 you can follow graham on twitter at wrestle rant great work for bleacher report find the podcast on both soundcloud.com slash cruise control podcast also on itunes and the shirts are on pro wrestling tees.com slash 
Cruise Control. Again, two out of three falls podcast t-shirts on ProWrestlingTees.com slash Cruise Control. Graham, my man, always appreciate it. Of course, Randy. Thanks for having me as always, and I'll speak to you next week. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Adios. All right.